Everybody have a good week? Everybody have a good week? Oh, this is going to be the non-responsive crowd. This is going to, I see how it's going to be. No, we're not, we're not, thank you. Thank, Lauren. Lauren, I got a question for you, specifically. It has nothing to do with, with football. How did, how did you, like, start baking stuff? Because for those of y'all that don't know, Lauren cooks for our volunteers, and he brings something every Sunday night. I mean, he really does. And it's, and it's fascinating. Now, I don't eat it because it, it, um, if I eat sugary foods, my brain has a sugar crash, and my brain doesn't need anything hindering it because it already has enough. So, so how long, like, did you just pick up cooking, like, just... Uh, are, oh, that's, oh, okay, because I was like, is, okay, there's two Laurens, but you're not Lauren. That's her middle name? So you've been cooking for, like, you've just been doing that? That's just what you do? But are you the best? Oh, 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 okay, okay. I'm just, <laughs> so, so what, you, what we've got tonight is a family feud, and um, it's kind of, kind of going on over there. Well, I'm glad you're here. Well, I love you, man. Hey, I ate that pecan pie you brought, too. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> not a, not a drop. No, no. They love you, too, man. They love you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Michelle. How are you doing? You're normally here in the mornings, aren't you? Okay. I was, I was just asking. I mean, I'm just, I don't judge when people show up to church. I mean, but that's Michelle. That's my friend Michelle. That's my friend Lauren. It's Vicky. But hey, Vicky. How you doing? Vicky, Vicky is over our, it's like she's one of our star people. Like she's over ushers and stuff and, and, She's amazing. So I'm just, I, no, I love Vicky. Vicky's, Vicky's awesome. She sends me encouraging text messages every once in a while. We're, yo. I do have Wanda. I do have Wanda. I do have Wanda. Who else I got? Bo, how you doing, buddy? How you doing? Good to see you, Bo. Always good to see you, man. Love Bo. Some of you are like, does, does he have a message planned or is he just up <laughs> winging it? No, there, there's a, I mean, there's a, there's a, method to it really see i when i said lauren unless your name is lauren also you didn't think i was talking to you 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 knew i was talking to lauren because i called him by his name right and so that's that's his name that's his identity that's what i i called him and the, and the same thing when i talked to michelle when i said michelle nobody in here thought oh my gosh she's talking to me unless your name's michelle because michelle i, I looked at her i talked to her same with vicky same with Bo. in fact we all have a name all of us have a name, and it's our name and our identity kind of hold hands. And if I was walking downtown and you wanted to get my attention, what would you do? Now, Paul, stop. Don't say blow, blow your horn because I never, ever, ever, don't test this theory because I will win. I don't look at anybody that blows their horn at me. I never do. I never do because horns were given to us by God so we don't have to use the middle finger. That's why, that's why the horn is in your car. Just think about that. So when somebody blows the horn, I never look up. The only way I'm going to look at you is if you call me, if you wanted to get my attention, you would say, hello, Perry or Pastor P. Okay, let me explain that real quick too. It's P, singular, P, P, not Pete. 
Somebody called me Pastor Pete recently, and I was like, I might be my cousin, but I don't have a, I'm not Pete. It's like P. Diddy, Pastor P. So if you wanted to get my attention, if I were out and about, you wanted to get my attention, you would say Perry or Pastor P, and I would look at you because my name and my identity kind of go hand in hand. That's the same thing for all of us, all of us. Now, here's the crazy thing. I didn't get to choose my name, and you didn't either. Like, you, you just got... You, you just grew up with it. In fact, you've never known anything but that name. You were called that name. And even if you changed your name, I know people that change their name sometimes. In fact, the only person that I really know did it, she was weird after she did it. She was weird before she did it. She was just super weird. I'm not, I'm not judging her. I'm just saying she was weird. Um, and so she was trying to change and, and get away from something, but she couldn't change her identity, even though she was trying to change her name. I was originally supposed to be named Benjamin. That was supposed to be my name. But my mom, my mom, held, they, my dad told me this. Now, he had had a beer 12, so who knows if this part's true. But my, my mom held me, and she said, nope, I'm going to name him Perry, because Perry was her father's name. And so that's how I got my name, is my mom decided in that moment, that's his name. I didn't have a choice. Like, kids don't, you don't just call your boy, boy, until they're 10, and they can kind of pick their name out on Google, because that'd be weird, right? You don't call your girl, girl, until she's 10, and let her pick her name out on Google. You are given a name and your name and your identity kind of hold hands. Now, for most of us in this room, we were given a name and it had like some symbolism behind it, but names in the, in the Bible, like, like that they really meant something. It was like, it was serious identification. The name and the identification held hands. And all through the Bible, we see God kind of moving through, and he changes some things. He changes some names. In fact, that's what we're talking about. Let me grab this little remote control back here because all the power is in the remote. The, um, we said last week we're starting this series, Rise Up, where we're talking about Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, where, where Paul wrote, for he has rescued us, and we talked about that last week, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's transferred us. He didn't just transfer our names. He transferred our identity. And the reason that's important is there's some people here tonight, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online, that you've allowed yourself to be called a name or names that God never gave you. The names had been like, I, I go back to my name. I looked up my name, what it meant. It's a pear tree or something like that. Something stupid that my, you know, that my mom's side of the family, woo, we won't get into that. Okay. But you know, some people, your name means this, your name means this. The other names though, that people call us or label us with, we know exactly what they mean. We know exactly what they're saying. And at the end of the day though, the only one who has the right to establish our identity is the one who was willing to bleed and die for us in the first place. So with that in mind, I just want to go through several people in the Bible that God changed their names. And when he changed their names, he changed their identity. And what's funny about it is we've got a lot in common with a, with a lot of these people that were well, actually, there's only three. There's a lot of people who changed their names. But we're going to go over three. The first one is a guy that we meet named Abram. Now, Abram, if you're a Bible person, you automatically go, oh, that's Abraham. Not when we first met him. His name was Abram. Now, Abram, the name means father of height or exalted father. It could mean either one, father of height or exalted father. So 
all his life, he thought that he was going to be a father. Exactly. (laughs) You are listening. This is great. So all of his life, he thinks he's going to be a father. He thinks he's going to be a father. But when we meet him in the Bible for the first time, he's around 80 or 90 years old. Now, there's not a lot of 80 to 90-year-old men looking to be a father. Grandfather, great-grandfather, but not father. So we've got Abram, who all his life has been told, you're going to be a father. And in the ancient Near East, it was really, really important for men to be able to have kids, especially sons. So all his life, he thinks, I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a son. Here he is, 80 to 90 years old. Do you think that maybe he thought it was too late? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Abram was a man that wasn't living up to his potential. Now, all of us have experienced stuff that just didn't live up to the hype, live up to the potential. If you've ever, if you've ever taken a kid to Disney for the first time, and if you haven't, I'm, I don't want to ruin this. Listen, Disney's great. I want to go back. I want to go to Star Wars land and all that stuff, and I love the turkey leg, and I love the Mickey Mouse ears with the chocolate on them, and I love the pineapple dole thing. I, I love all that, okay? But your first time with your kid... It's not magical. You need therapy after your first, because the, when they put it on the television, right, there's Mickey and he's smiling and you're hugging and you're on Main Street and there's nobody there and, and Tinkerbell flies around the castle, right, and there's fireworks. And you're like, it's the greatest place. Four hours in, you're ready to cuss Mickey. You're ready to punch Pluto. You're, you're ready. I mean, no, you can't have the $72 bedazzled mouse ears because we want to send you to college, right? You're trying to get through. And by the end of the day, the only thing magical is how fast money disappears from your wallet. It doesn't live up to the expectations. All of us have had that experience in life. And Abram had lived that out as well. Hadn't quite lived up expectations. How are you doing in that area? Don't answer out loud. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, what will your life look like in 10 years? I wouldn't have drawn this picture. I, I, I wouldn't have picked this path. There's several of us in here. You, I see you nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about. You're at a place in life that maybe you never thought you would be. You're not living up to expectations. But that's where God gets involved. That's the cool thing about God. We say it all the time. If you're not dead, God's not done. Anytime he gets involved, things always change for the better. Look at this. In Genesis chapter 17, the writer of Genesis says, when Abram was 99 years old. Pause real quick. I'm not going to ask how old anybody is in the room. Pretty sure we've got nobody at 99. What I can say is at 99, nobody is thinking about being a father. Okay. I don't care how many of those little blue pills you pop, you still are not thinking. (laughs) We get the kids area open soon. I don't care. You're not thinking about being a dad. If you see a 99-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman, his wife was was 90, if you see a 99-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman walking in the hospital, you're thinking great-grandparents, maybe great-great-parents. No, we've got six generations here. I'm not sure. 
but you're thinking it's too late. And I'm talking to somebody tonight, I don't know who this is, who you think maybe it's too late for God to act on your behalf. And right here, we've got a man that's 99 years old and hadn't had a kid yet. All of a sudden, God shows up and says, I'm, Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Don't miss that. God's like, let me identify myself. I can just do anything. I'm God Almighty. That means I, I, I got it covered. He goes on to say, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee. Now, when, when God guarantees something, that's a big deal. I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now, he just wanted a son. And God's like countless descendants. God's, see, God's plans are always bigger than our plans. One of the best reasons I would tell you to give your life to Jesus is because his plans are always bigger than our plans. His plans for our lives blow our plans for our lives out of the water. And it gets better. Watch this. <laughs> At this, Abram fell face down because that's what you do when God shows up. You fall face down on the ground. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of, what's this word on three? One, two, three? Nations. Hello. Abram's going, I don't, I'm 99, she's 90. I don't know. We, we don't even have a son. You're talking about nations. How's this going to happen? What, what's more, I am changing your name. This is where it gets real. It will no longer be Abram, exalted father, father of height, because that just implies one kid. You will be called Abraham. Abraham literally means father of many nations. God said, I'm not just changing your name. I'm changing your identity. You've always thought you didn't measure up. But the reason you thought you didn't measure up is because you were measuring yourself by the wrong standard. If you'll step in away from the world standard, step into my standard, you'll understand that you've measured up this entire time. And he goes on to say, for you will be the father of many nations. There's that word again. I will make you extremely fruitful, which is helpful if you're going to father many nations. Your descendants will become many nations. Is God trying to get something across here? He keeps saying this one word over and over again. What is it? Nations, exactly. Nations and kings will be among them. Abram, who was 99 years old, he had given up on himself. He thought everybody had given up on him and everybody had given up on him, but God. But God moved and got involved and promised him he would be the father of many nations. And even though he couldn't see it in the moment, it happened because today in the world, every descendant of these nations traced themselves back to Abraham. Abraham couldn't see that. But here we are, several thousand years later, still looking at geography to prove what God said is true. And hey, don't miss this. If he did it for Abraham, he'll do it for you. Not living up to your expectations, it's okay. God's still got time. God's still got time. The second guy we're going to talk about, his name is Jacob. <laughs> Jacob. Jacob had a jacked up childbirth. I don't know if you've ever met um, a woman. Every, every once in a while, you'll meet a crazy woman who'll tell you, there's a crazy man too. It's not, don't take that. We're all crazy. Um, but you'll meet a crazy woman that'll tell you, oh, childbirth is the most beautiful thing in the world. And it's because you were on drugs. <laughs> I think whatever you get, the husband should get double. That's just, I mean, that's my, that's what I would run on if I were running for president. Um, 
But Jacob's childbirth was messed up because it's, it's first of all, childbirth's not beautiful. I remember in seventh grade, they showed us the sex ed film. I don't know if you're... Sh- your school I don't even know if they still do that they shouldn't because good god I was like oh it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life I was like okay it's gone no don't need it I'm done right there still makes me want to throw up in fact in fact I want to show y'all a clip of the video they showed me in junior high watch this I'm just kidding we're not going to show we're not I just want to see if y'all are paying attention there's no freaking way I even have standards hello (laughs) but Jacob, Jacob's childbirth was a little messed up because he, he was a twin, and his older brother was named Esau. And the Bible says that when Esau came out of his mother's womb, that Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel. Now, that, that, that gets you a million hits on YouTube, like, in 24 hours. That is, that is crazy. Never heard of anything like that. So the name Jacob literally means to grasp the heel, or deceiver. It can also be translated deceiver. So Jacob grew up a deceiver. I mean, because if you're called deceiver all your life, what do you think you're going to turn out to be? He, he let people, come here, deceiver. Come, we're going to go to lunch, deceiver. We're going to want to go to dinner. Want to go to a movie, deceiver. Come here, deceiver. And he's called this, so he deceives his, he's deceiving and he's fighting his whole life. He's deceiving and he's fighting. He's deceiving and he's fighting. He deceives his brother out of his birthright. He deceives him out of his blessing. He has to go fight for um, his wives from his uncle. I mean, the whole thing, he's always fighting and deceiving, fighting and deceiving, fighting and deceiving, so much so that it gets to the point where Jacob actually fights God. He actually gets in a wrestling match with God, and there's a whole story behind it. I won't go there, but toward the end of the match, I mean, it was a wrestling match. It it really was. In verse 27, what is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. In other words, he, he said, I'm a deceiver. That's who I've been all my life. That's just who I am. That's just what I do. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight or somebody watching online that that's, that's the excuse you give yourself to be the way you are. This is just who I am. It's what I've been all my life. This is the way my daddy was. This is the way my grandpa was. This is the way my family is. This is just who I am. And I know what it's like to feel like that. You feel helpless. You feel worthless. You feel like there's no way that anything significant in your life can change. And you're right. You're right. Nothing in your life can change. Unless Jesus gets involved. That's where the change takes place. Because he goes on to tell him, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, I'm changing your name. And I'm not just changing your name, I'm changing your identity. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Israel literally means God is fighting for you. So his name went from the deceiver, the fighter, to God is fighting for you. And I'll be willing to bet tonight that there's at least five or six people in the room that you know the only reason that you're in the room is at some point God fought for you. Because if God had not fought for you, you wouldn't have survived the storm. And if God wouldn't have fought for you, you you would have been devoured in the lion's den. And if God wouldn't have fought for you, the giant would have defeated you. But at the end of the day, you had a God that was fighting for you. And for me, it's essential to look back over the past because if I look at the future, I can get freaked out 
But when I look at the faithfulness of God in the past, it allows me to face the, the future with confidence because I know the God that was with me here is going to be the God that is with me there, and God always comes through. The last name we're going to talk about is a guy named Simon. Simon means he has heard. Specifically, he's heard of like God, the love and the grace and the mercy of God and all that stuff. Now, there's some things I've heard about, like Paris. Heard about Paris. Anybody ever been to Paris? Yeah, okay, a few people. It's great. It's awesome. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm, I believe in Paris. I've just never seen it, but I've heard about it. Heard they got that tower thing. It's awesome. It's cool. Some bread, funny hats. I mean, that's awesome. I heard about those bungalows down in Bora Bora. Y'all heard about those? Yeah. Yeah, those look sweet. I, in fact, I was so interested in going one time, and I checked them out, and the ones that I liked were $10,000 a day. I'm like, I don't need to. I got, I got Lake Hartwell. Like, I feel, I feel great about it. I'm a redneck, and I'm a little canoe, and I'm happy. Now, if I really want to step up in the world, I go to Kiwi, hello. But, like, I, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need, but, but, but I've, I know it's there. I know it's there. I've heard of it. I've just never experienced it. This is Simon. Now, here's what's, here's what's crazy about Simon. Simon lived in a village on the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And Capernaum was just a little small fishing town, and he just fished for a living. I'm sure that's, what, that's all he thought he would ever do. We talked about that last week, was fish. He thought that was ever, and I'm sure he wondered if God is so big and God is so powerful and God is so awesome, then where is he in, in my life? Like, why is this the life that I'm having to live? I've heard of God, but I've never experienced God. And this is, this is kind of like, for me, for me, I'm just going to put my cards on the table, tell you honestly. I don't have a problem believing about the grace and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God for you. I have a real hard time believing it for me. Any, anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've told you all this. I'm going to say this so many times. Y'all are going to start finishing my sentence for me. If y'all knew everything about me, you wouldn't come to this church. And if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't want you coming to this church, right? Because, because we, we're real good at giving grace and love and mercy to other people. But we're really, it's really difficult for us to extend that grace and love and mercy to ourselves. It's just something that we've heard. But then Simon meets Jesus, and everything changes. Andrew brings him to Jesus, and, and John writes for us in John chapter 1, verse 42, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which if you translate it as Peter or the rock. Now, we know that this, tran this transition didn't happen overnight. Like when we meet Jesus and we begin our journey with him. In fact, Peter was, Peter is a walking example of the grace of God. Because how many times can you fall down and get back up more than Peter? I mean, it seemed like he was always, he had the gift of sticking his foot 
in his mouth, and he's always messing up. But at the end of the day, the guy that messed up the most is the guy that's recognized as the figurehead that spearheaded this movement called the local church, which is today a global movement, all because he had his identity changed by this man named Jesus. So at the end of the day, my hope and prayer for all of us walking out tonight is that we would understand the tags, the labels that people have put on us, they're not going to go away. But it's just like we sang about in the song. I am who you say I am. Jesus, I am who you, I, I know what they say I am. I know what he said I am. I know what she said I am. But I'm going to focus on what you say I am because you are the one, Jesus, that gets to establish my identity. And when we get to that place in our walk, that's when we can actually begin to walk in freedom. Now, let me just share tonight really quickly three names that a lot of us have associated ourselves with. I'm not talking about other people. I'm just talking about us. The first one is unloved because some people are hard to love. I wish I could tell you that I love everybody. You ever met somebody that loves everybody? You ever met somebody, I just love everybody. They, they don't, or they, they're on their second bottle of wine. Um, tr <laughs> trust me, I know. Um, that you, nobody loves everybody. There's, some, there's somebody on the, on the planet that gets on your nerves. This is a church where you can be real. I, I didn't even get an amen right there. I mean, 915 were pointing at people. I was like, it's, it's, I, uh, for example, I feel like I can get along with most people. But uh, there's, this, there's some, I live downtown Anderson. We've got a few, we've got, some, we've got some crazies. We do. Statistically, probably more than any other city in, in the world. But <laughs> they don't know my name. Um, but a few Sunday mornings ago, I'm, I was walking Chance. Chance is my dog. I was taking him for a walk. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. Like, who are you going to run into at 5 o'clock in the morning? Um, but God knew I needed a sermon illustration. So I walked by this lady. She's on this bench. I look at her. She looked at me. She said, do you have 75 cents? Well, I didn't, ha I didn't have any money. I had, my, I had my dog. That was it. I, and I, all I said was, no, I don't. She literally looked at me and said, no, I don't. No, I don't. That which would have been fine, except for the fact that she followed Chance and I down the road going, no, I don't, no, I don't, no, I don't. And Chance is looking at me like, what do I do? I'm like, bite her, dude, I don't care. I just... It gets better. A few days later, I'm walking down the street, me and Chance again, I don't know, I think my dog triggers her, I don't know what it is, but me and Chance are just walking down the street, she's walking this way, I look at her, she looks at me, eye contact with her, eye contact with me, she looked at me, she said, F you. She said, and your dog, too. I was like, oh, you got you to leave my dog out of this now. Just... Now, I'm just going to go ahead and confess in that moment right there. No love in my heart for that lady. I wish I could tell you I stopped her and I said, ma'am, first of all, what you just said is scientifically impossible. I can't do that. Second of all, I just need you to understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Would you love to accept Christ? And she said, yes, and now she's on staff. Like, I'd love to give you that story. I can't give you that story. You know why? Because I was like, what? What the, I, I had 72 thoughts run through my mind at the same time, and I just shut down. That ever happened to you? Some people are hard to love. Some people are hard to love. Some people are hard to love. 
Sometimes you look in the mirror. It's hard to love. You know why? It's those labels. Because you didn't see the divorce coming. You didn't see the job loss coming. You didn't see the sickness coming. You didn't see the depression coming. But it showed up. And when it showed up, and other people didn't show up, you felt unloved. I get it. I understand. But just because you are unloved by other people doesn't mean you're not loved by God. Because God's love is unconditional. I can tell you without a doubt, not even knowing you, not even knowing your story, God loves you right now unconditionally. If nothing ever changed, God's love stays the same. The reason I know that is because of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, where he says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. At the end of the day, they may say that you're not loved, but God says, right now, as you are, you are loved unconditionally by the creator of the universe. Which leads to the second name that some of us give ourselves is weak. And we see ourselves as weak because we compare ourselves to other people. I, I feel like personally, just physically, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my life. I'm stronger, I've, I can actually do pull-ups now. Um, I can, I'm lifting weights and I feel great. Every area is stronger except my legs. I don't work legs. Every once in a while, I meet somebody and they go, you got to work legs. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, you going to make me? Are you the leg police? Like, you going to make me work legs? And you, the only people happy about working legs are like girls that are under 5'5". Five five. They're like, oh, my gosh, they do lunges, they do squats, and they're so fun. But see, I'm 6'6". Six six. For me to do a squat, that's like a two-day commitment. Just to, just to, just to get, like, and you, and you got to have your, you know, you got to do it right, right? You got to have your knees. And, and, and when you do, I'm not doing it in these jeans. But anyway, they're not skinny jeans, by the way. But, but when you go down, you got to go all the way down. Come all, so I'm in the gym one day, and I'm lifting. I'm doing some bench press. I'm, I'm benching more than I've ever. I'm feeling so good. And I look over, and there's this guy on the squat rack, and he's wrapping his knees. And he's got... He's got a barbell, and on each side of the barbell are five 45-pound plates. The, the barbell was kind of curving a little bit. And I was like, there's, there's no way. There's no way. And he, he got like 17 people to spot him or whatever, and, he, and he's like, somebody had a camera on him, or, and I'm like, this is going to be great. This is going to be epic. He, so he, 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 gets, he gets the weight, and I'm not, I'm not going to imitate it because I can't, but he goes all the way down, comes all the way back up, and I was like, that was good. He was like, that's one. He went down. He, he did three of those. And I was like, I should never come to the gym again. I'm the weakest person in the world. <laughs> Why am I here? Like, that's, but that's what we do. Sometimes there are people in this room that you're strong. My God, you're so strong because of what you've been through. 
But you compare yourself to somebody else and you think you're weak. You think you're weak because, because somebody else is strong. Or you compare yourself to a former view of you. I used to be this, but now I'm this. I used to be this, but now I'm this. And we let the world tell us that the reason that we are the way that we are is because we're weak. But see, if you're in Christ, you're not weak. You're stronger than you think. In fact, John, John tells us in John, 1 John 4, 4, but you belong to God. My dear children, you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You can call a follower of Christ anything you want to call him, but you can't call him weak and you can't call him unloved. The last thing that many of us label ourselves or we let other people label us is, that, and I, I get this, listen, I've, I've, I fall into all these categories as somebody that falls short or don't belong. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt like, man, I do not belong here. When I was in college, um, I was on SGA, that's Student Government Association. Total, total accident how I got there. They told me in, in my sophomore year that if I, if I did this speech that I could probably become sophomore class president and then there was scholarship money involved and I was paying for my own college, so I just did. I was like, yep, I'm in, scholarship money. And then all I had to do was go to a meeting twice a month where nothing happened, you know, <laughs> typical government stuff. Um, and so we would go and we'd sit in the meeting, nothing would happen. And then after about six months, um, my advisor asked, uh, she said, can I see you after the meeting? And I was like, I've probably done something wrong or whatever. And she said, um, Perry, we ran everybody's GPAs, and yours was among the highest, which I was like, oh, God, we're so screwed. <laughs> um, that's why our government's so bad. It's because people like me. She said, hey, we're going to need you to participate in something called the Academic Bowl. I was like, the Academic Bowl? She was like, yes, yeah, where all the smart people from schools, they get together and they compete, and somebody asks trivia questions, and you answer. I was like, oh, no. See, what happened was, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, Miss Coleman, I don't really. She said, no, you're, you're at the top. Now, the reason I was at the top is I went to class. And if I went to class and I listened to it, I could get it. But I got, I, I had like disability stuff I couldn't understand. And I was like, I, so I remember getting to this academic bowl and all these people around me are answering questions that I've never heard of in my life. I had this thing with this buzzer and all I had to do is push the buzzer and I could answer a question. My little light would light up. Anybody want to guess how many times my light lit up? Zero, because I'm like, I, don't, I feel so out of place. Like, if we'd have done like an arm wrestling contest, I'd have been fine. I'd have been, I'd have been in, I would have been in. But I've, I felt like, man, I don't belong. Have you ever felt like you don't belong when it comes to like, church or Christianity or religion, like you just fall short. By the way, by the way, by the way, everybody on the planet falls short. It's just certain people are better at hiding it than other people. Trust me. You ever felt like you fall short and you don't belong? And, and because of that, our tendency is to walk away because we feel like God's turned his back because maybe other people have turned their back. But Jesus... Jesus said that we belong. In fact, this is, this is the invitation of Jesus, and it's so beautiful. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry 
heavy burdens. I wonder how many of those of us are in the room tonight. And he said, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, which is basically take my teaching upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. See, I don't know what the world says, but God says you're loved, you're strong, and you belong. You're loved, you're strong, and you belong. And my prayer for us tonight over these next few moments is that we could focus not on what they say, but on who he says that we are. So Jesus, right now in these next few moments, Father, I pray for those that are wrestling with identity. Maybe we're not living up to our potential. We feel weak. We feel unloved. We feel cast away. Jesus, that we would absolutely, over these next few moments, be captivated by the truth about who you say that we are. And in that captivation, there would be celebration. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name.